Hello, Kubernetes community, and welcome to another episode of the uh, Pod Control Podcast. Um, it is getting down to the end of the summer here, almost time for uh, college football and the uh, frantic fall conference season to start up. Yep. Uh, Brian, how's it going? Things are good. Things are good. Uh, right, basically, I feel like I live in Seattle now. It rains every single day here in Raleigh for some <laughs> reason. But uh, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good for the summer heat to break, and uh, we can get on to some, uh, get back into conference season, get back into some better weather, and uh, you know, a whole new slew of topics will uh, will emerge. I'm sure from from all of those uh, all those conferences. So. Um, Hey, one of the things that came up at the Red Hat Summit conference and has been, uh, you know, is going to get discussed here in a few conferences coming up is this whole blending together of virtualization and containers. So I thought that might be kind of an interesting topic to discuss today. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, as much as you get stuff that's interesting when it comes to, hey, here's this this new idea, I think people get people interested. But I think sometimes what gets people really interested is if there's a, a sort of a big negative reaction from from traditional vendors in a space to it that makes people go oh re- ooh what's what's going on here so um you know when it when it first started uh uh when there was some talk around containers and virtualization some other ways of doing it uh you know i, I think uh people saw some some interesting reactions which which people are now inter- interested in learning a little bit more about it yeah, well, and I think not only that, you've got lots and lots of virtualization deployed, and and people are trying to figure out how do I deal with uh, you know new new technologies, existing technologies. Do they remain silos? Can we blend them together? Do I have to move to the new stuff? So uh, it's always good to sort of see sometimes you know how do we introduce incremental things versus you know the everything everything old is bad, everything new is good. So uh, very excited today. We got, a, we got a great guest on today, uh, somebody who's been spending a lot of time on this. So Steve Gordon, uh, one of our colleagues at Red Hat. Steve, welcome to the show. Steve is principal product manager. He's focused on the KubeVert project, but also uh, what we're calling container native virtualization. So Steve, welcome uh, all the way up from up in Canada. Thanks, Russ. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, it's great to be here to talk about uh, this exciting stuff that's happening at the intersection of virtualization and containers. Very cool. So, give us uh, a little bit of your background. You've been you've been working in this space, um, you know, dealing with the OpenStack folks, the the Kubernetes folks for a while, and kind of you know some of the the ways that they're trying to figure out how to make use of each other's technology. Give us a sense of a little bit of your background, and and then some of the areas you've been working on. Sure. So as you mentioned at the outset, I am currently a product manager for what we're referring to at Red Hat as Container Native Virtualization, uh, which is based on a community project called Kubert. Um, but previously, I was also, uh, for a number of years, the product manager at Red Hat focused on OpenStack Compute specifically, uh, and so very involved uh, over a number of years in following that community and what was going on there. Um, as some of those users also started to grapple with this question of, okay, we have a significant investment in virtualization. Uh, we're also starting to build new stuff in containers. Uh, how do we bring those two worlds together? Uh, and also prior to that, I did spend a period of time uh, writing documentation uh, for Red Hat virtualization. Um, so basically over a period of about uh, eight years now, I've been very involved in different aspects of the virtualization stack at Red Hat. Uh, and gradually, as I started working more and more on bringing together our OpenShift on OpenStack uh, reference architecture and integration, um, that kind of parlayed into what we're talking about now, which is kind of this next generation 
um, solutions looking at the same question of how can we bring these worlds closer and closer together for our users who are trying to grapple with workloads uh, that increasingly straddle this divide. Very cool. Very cool. Um, let's let's get into some of the basics around Kubevert. You know, what what is it? How does it work? Like what and why was it created? Like what was it trying to solve? Sure. So uh, at a kind of diving a little bit into the technical side of it, I guess. So if folks have heard perhaps of this concept of a custom resource definition uh, talked about in recent Kubernetes releases uh, and Previously, possibly even when it was in kind of alpha stage, uh, it was referred to as third-party resources. But basically, this is a concept in Kubernetes that allows people to extend uh, the Kubernetes API uh, to define custom objects uh, for things that Kubernetes, the kind of core that the community is trying to keep relatively small, doesn't necessarily know about. Uh, but I can have an object that sits alongside that. So Kubert uh, is one such effort where we are defining uh, top-level objects uh, like the virtual machine object, uh, like the virtual machine instance object, uh, which are effectively representations or rich representations of a virtual machine object so that I can have all of my uh, traditional configuration and settings for virtual machines that I know and love from existing environments, uh, but still have that fit within the Kubernetes workflow uh, whereby I'm interacting with things using kubectl. Uh, I can see things in my dashboard in the same way, and I can see my application container workloads and virtual machines side by side within the same uh, Kubernetes project. So the, the idea ideally is that it should be as easy for you to add uh, an application that happens to be in a VM to your project uh, as it is to add one that happens to be an application container. Uh, and it should be relatively easy for you to do that uh, side by side in the same project. Um, in practical terms, we are still using uh, the Linux virtualization stack uh, in KVM, QMU, and Libvirt, uh, the components that make up that stack. Uh, so what we are doing is uh, the KVM kernel module is still running on the host system, uh, but we are taking the QMU and Libvirt pieces of that stack and actually running them in containers themselves. Uh, and what we're doing there is really leveraging uh, one of the strengths of containers or Linux containers as we know them today is, of course, you can take a Linux process and put it in an application container. Uh, and as it turns out, um, because of the way the Linux virtualization stack works, the virtual machine itself is effectively just another Linux process, uh, albeit in this case a QMU process uh, that represents effectively the running virtual machine. So that is what we're ultimately, at the end of the day, taking, putting inside a container, which itself is in a pod, uh, and of course, by virtue of being in a pod, we gain the ability to share many of the uh, functional subsystems that Kubernetes is using, uh, including scheduling and orchestration. Interesting, interesting. So, um, as as your as the project is sort of evolving, and, and you guys are looking at, uh, you know, how do how do we make this work? There's obviously going to be, you know, certain concepts in virtual machines that you know, may or may not map sort of exactly over to, to what Kubernetes does or even what containers do. Like what have been some of the hurdles or just, you know, challenging spaces that the project and you and the team have been working on, um, you know, to, to make this so that it, like you said, it feels as if we're managing somewhat consistent resources, the look and feel is, but, but even just things like, you know, how do we start going through which types of, of an application, for example, might work or, or other stuff like that? What what are some of the things that people, you know, might go, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's why the project 
is at the stage it's at, or that's why, you know, they've made certain decisions. What, what are some of those things people might want to look out for? Yeah, so there's a couple of immediate gotchas. Uh, so when we think about um, virtualization, there's really three main subsystems that a lot of different feature requests tend to run through. So one is, the most obvious is kind of the computer virtualization itself, uh, but also the storage and networking subsystems around them. So when we think about storage in the context of virtualization, um, certainly in practice, a lot of people's container images that are out there are quite large uh, for various reasons. But the, the promise of containers, of course, is that your images should be relatively small, focused on just your application, at least for the top layer. Um, the reality for virtualization images, of course, is that typically they're order, orders of magnitude larger. Uh, and what that means from a storage subsystem perspective is that being able to use uh, storage-assisted cloning, for example, uh, where available becomes critical uh, to being able to quickly uh, clone virtual machines, create new virtual machines and templates and so on. Uh, and in the existing Kubernetes volume constructs, cloning isn't really a thing that exists. Uh, so that's been one of the big ones we've been working on in terms of both the container uh, storage interface uh, specification, uh, but also implementations uh, to, in the future, both use storage-assisted cloning where it's available, but also provide a host-assisted fallback uh, where necessary. Um, and all of that is stuff that can still be leveraged by containers. Uh, so there is a benefit there as well, um, but it's kind of more critical for virtual machines just by the nature of the size of them. Um, and another kind of moving over to the networking subsystem, another example of something like this is uh, virtual machines uh, if I'm bringing in a traditional virtual machine that I already have in my environment, more than likely it expects to own its IP. Um, and in the current um, Kubernetes uh, that most people are using at least, uh, my pod gets an IP uh, and just one IP. Um, and we have in the initial versions of Kubert worked around that by kind of passing that IP directly to the virtual machine. Uh, but the trade-off with that is that you do lose the ability to kind of bridge the two worlds. You can't choose to have both the I'm tied into the container network um, and I have an application container pod side-by-side -side with that VM uh, because I've already given the IP to the VM. Uh, in the future, what we're looking at is using solutions like Maltus, uh, both to provide a way for that pod to have multiple IPs in the first place uh, so we can have both the pod IP and IP specifically for the VM, uh, but also to expand the overall layer two networking capabilities of the virtual machine. Uh, layer two networking today being something that Kubernetes basically doesn't entertain, uh, but something that's very important for the virtualization use case um, right now. And in, in terms of if I bring in an existing virtual machine, it's again something that really the application running inside the virtual machine and even the operating system are really expecting to be there uh, from ground zero. And those are, those are kind of just two examples that we have right now. Uh, there are no doubt going to be more that come up in the future. Uh, but what we're really aiming at is to try and when we, when we look at adding something like that for the virtualization use case, trying to do it in such a way that it also can uh, improve the core of Kubernetes or some of the auxiliary uh, projects, like I mentioned Maltus, for example, um, also the CSI spec in a way that those things also benefit the broader Kubernetes ecosystem, uh, not just the Kubert project and the workloads we're running. 
Yeah, that I mean that that makes a lot of sense. I think uh, it's good to kind of talk about those two from the standpoint, uh, and we talk about it with some of the other things like Windows uh, Kubernetes and stuff like that, where or or even Istio or people here, a thing exists, so that must mean it's perfect and ready to go for all my use cases today. Um, so so on that note, um, looking at the project, you know, as it is today. You know what are what are some you know what are things that are possible right now? You know what are some some solid use cases, and then what do you think are some of the goals to to sort of be able to support in the next six to twelve months? So right now, uh, what we have is we certainly have the ability to uh, start uh, basic uh, Windows and Linux virtual machines. Uh, we do have the ability um, via what we call the containerized data importer to make it relatively easy to import existing virtual machine images that people might have kicking around in various formats uh, and to run those. Uh, where we're really focused on right now, uh, as I kind of alluded to, is around improving uh, the storage-assisted cloning support, uh, layer two networking support, um, Additional networking options, so things like being able to support, for example, an SRV device that's been passed through, uh, as well as looking at kind of more the container-native uh, concepts and how they mesh with this, because the ultimate promise, is, of course, is not just to run your existing virtual machines uh, in the same way that you can on an existing solution, but to really augment them with additional capabilities through adding things like VM replica set support, uh, the ability to have a VM tied into a daemon set uh, and also potentially the ability to tie a virtual machine into something like a service mesh using Istio. Uh, so those are things kind of getting further out on the time horizon. And then the other kind of aspect that's ongoing is we also have through the last 10 to 15 years of time that people have been building up the usage of virtualization, uh, we have quite a bit of known history, I guess I'd phrase it as, behind the way people use virtualization solutions and the knobs they expect from them. Uh, so we have quite a few things in the existing Linux virtualization stack where we're figuring out, you know, how should that best be represented in the VM definition itself so that a user can still use uh, that particular knob they're used to on their VM in the future. Uh, so those are the main areas from a QVert perspective. Uh, more broadly, when we talk about uh, Kubernetes and OpenShift at Red Hat, the other thing I probably should mention is that Kubert itself and container-native virtualization do tie back to a theme we are seeing where uh, we're getting more user queries around, you know, I started off running my container cluster, my Kubernetes cluster on a virtualization platform. I now am increasingly interested in running that cluster on bare metal. Uh, and how do I actually get a, go about that initial provisioning of a bare metal Kubernetes cluster? How can you help me with that? And Qvert itself is dependent on some of that work in terms of how can we make uh, bare metal deployment as seamless as we possibly can. So that's certainly something we're looking at closely as well in collaboration with a number of other teams, uh, both at Red Hat and externally in the community. Yeah. Um, I, you know, without going into to tons of detail, obviously – you know, when there's when there's new technology that comes out, there's always, uh, you know, sort of leading edge companies, leading edge groups within companies that are that are interested in talking about it. Sometimes it's just, uh, you know, information sharing, education. Sometimes it's, you know, hey, we're we're willing to try some stuff. What have you heard from from you know now that now that Qvert's kind of out in public, we've shown some demonstrations to people, even though it's you know 
it's going to take a little while to kind of come to reality. What are some of the conversations you have with people? Are they, hey, you know, can we can we move all of our virtual machines to this? Or are people still kind of pragmatic about, hey, let's let's try out a few early applications? Or, you know, are there are there certain patterns you've seen yet um, that you know aligns either to what you're building or surprised you? Um, I would say there's certainly excitement around the general proposition of uh, customers and users see the need for something like this that allows them to share the orchestration of a complex workload made up of both virtual machines and containers. And from initial uh, tire kickers or people we've seen evaluating the solution so far uh, with the community bits or in a couple of targeted uh, proof of concepts we've done with folks, you know, for somewhat constrained use cases where you aren't using the full suite of traditional virtualization management features. So, for example, uh, we don't have live migration yet is a good example. Some environments don't actually use live migration. Uh, they do take more of a, if there's an issue with the VM, we shoot it in the head and start a new one uh, approach. Uh, some of those are better suited to QVert more immediately uh, than others. Uh, we also have gotten a lot of good feedback uh, from some of the early users in the community in particular uh, around where they would like to see some of the networking uh, networking roadmap go. And I think the other thing I would, I would say, and one of the more exciting pieces of feedback for us is just simply that folks, when they look at the way we have structured the API, even though we don't necessarily have support for every knob that they might want, uh, and certainly they have a, a list of those that they would like to see in the future. Uh, the feedback has mostly been that the API layout from an object's perspective does make a lot of sense to them uh, based on what we've been seeing uh, both in community and customer discussions. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, listen, um, Steve, I think we're going to wrap it up with that. Um, thank you so much for the time today and, and sort of giving us your knowledge and insight as to how the KubeVert program's evolving, how your work's evolving with, with container-native virtualization. Um, you know, if, if people want to pick your brain or be involved with the community, what are some good places for them to go check out? Uh, so we have the KubeVert.io website, which is the easiest place if people want to just go click the button and get started with just simply trying KubeVert out. Uh, even if you try it using Minishift or Minikube on a nested environment, uh, which is obviously not representative of what you do in a production system, but very easy to get started and run your first VM using Kubert. Uh, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, we also have a Kubert dev, uh, that's Kubert-dev Google group, uh, which we'll have in the show notes as well. Uh, and the other thing I should mention is that we are on uh, isc.freenode.net uh, in the Pound Kubert channel, or there is also a virtualization working group on the Kubernetes uh, Slack channel, Slack uh, setup, which is in Pound virtualization. So we also hang out there as well uh, for folks working or looking at uh, this space at the intersection of Kubernetes and virtualization. Uh, you'll find lots of like-minded folk in that channel. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, listen, uh, Steve, thank you so much for the time today. Tyler, I think, uh, you know, some, some good stuff for folks to go dig into. Um, like we said at the beginning, this is a, you know, kind of a, an opportunity for technologies to blend a little bit. People, you know, lots of people understand virtualization. This may be a chance for them to, you know, get their feet wet, um, you know, dig in a little bit more with Kubernetes if they're more of a virtualization person. So I think that uh, from that perspective, it checked all the boxes for me today. 
Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was, uh, you know, it's it's a good place to get started uh, with the with this concept, right? Instead of, well, we're running Kubernetes on VMs and there's some other VMs next to it too. We're running Kubernetes on Metal and we're running VMs in it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, folks, with that, we're going to wrap it up. Um, as always, you know, feedback is welcome. Uh, topics are welcome. Uh, I will say this, um, you know, we ask for for topics all the time and, and ideas. Um, people, I think, I don't know if they're, they're trolling us or if, if there's a huge interest in it. People love to ask us for like, hey, can you give us best practices for, you know, multi-site scalable distributed databases on Kubernetes? Um, Great topics. Uh, not a lot of expertise in there out there, so we're we're looking for it. But uh, be patient if you ask for uh, some of the more super super difficult stuff for us to uh, to get on the show. So, with that, we're going to wrap it up, uh, F folks. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.